Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to parents of children struggling with the effects of trauma and attachment disorders and the caseworkers, coordinators, and other professionals who support them. Your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, will introduce you to Dr. David Cross. Dr. Cross is the Reese Jones Director of the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development and a professor in the TCU Department of Psychology. Dr. Cross leads the Institute in its triple mission of research, education, and outreach to improve the lives of children who have experienced abuse, neglect, and trauma. Dr. Cross, with his former colleague, Dr. Karen Purvis, co-authored The Connected Child, bringing hope and healing to your adoptive family to help adoptive parents understand the needs of children from hard places. So I am here with Dr. David Cross um, from Texas Christian University, um, getting ready to talk about um, trust-based relational intervention. So hi, Dr. Cross. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Good morning, Karen. So Dr. Cross, can you just tell us a little bit about your background in general um, before we get into this path that you got on with TBRI? Oh. Well, um, I, oh, that's a good question. Well, I suppose my path starts when I was a child because I, uh, my, my parents lost custody of me when I was three and they were, they both had trouble with alcohol. And so I was in the system for, uh, several years before I was taken in by a, a wonderful foster family. Mm -hmm. And they raised me through middle school and high school and um, I think really turned, turned things around for me. And I think the next step was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And at one point I took a class in child psychology and I said, this is it. And, um, and then the, the next step was going to the University of Michigan and getting a degree with a you know, emphasis in developmental psychology. And while I was there, I also discovered attachment theory and, you know, the strain situation and, you know, work that was being done in the early days of attachment. And uh, that, that, that hooked me. And uh, when we came to, when I came to TCU with my family, um, my, 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 real, my, my major research project was a longitudinal study of of families and early parenting uh, and how it related to attachment. And um, yeah. Yeah, so you have um, a personal interest and professional interest and in it all just came together. Yeah, so, so in looking at um, the model, TBRI, can you tell me a little bit about how all of that started? Sure. I'd uh, be happy to, Karen. Um, the, that uh, TBRI started uh, with Karen Purvis, um, and um, she had uh, been to college, met her husband. Uh, she didn't finish because she, she, stepped, she stepped out of college to raise her family. And once all of her boys were, you know, she, when she sent her last son, the youngest son, off to college, she went back to college herself, and she went to TCU, and she took my child psych class, and um, 
was hooked in the content of the class, particularly in uh, the work and attachment that we talked about. And then um, she became a, a T, undergraduate TA in my lab. And at that time, we were doing a study where we were interviewing kids using a, a methodology called the Neighborhood Walk. And it so happened that she interviewed a woman who had adopted two children from the Ukraine and was struggling with her parenting. And the two of them came up with the idea of doing a summer camp. And the original idea of the summer camp was just respite for the families. And so they, they could send their children to a, you know, a day camp where they knew the kids would be safe and their needs would be attended to, but it wasn't, it wasn't originally conceived as something that would be you know, deeply therapeutic, but it turned out that it was. And, um, and that, was, you know, that was the beginning. I think um, the, 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 you know, I get asked, people ask me quite often, how did TBRI start? And I think the answer is both simple and complex. The simple, answer, the simple version of the answer is, is that Karen had these children who had been adopted internationally, who came from very hard places. And, um, and at that time, really, we didn't know how to meet their needs. And what Karen um, was, was able to do through her own experience, um, through the things she had learned in her coursework, and through the, thing, through the things she learned by talking to specialists in the field, she was able to, to bit by bit figure out what these kids needed. Mm-hmm. And that was the genesis of TBRI, was Karen literally sitting on the floor in a room with 10 or 12 uh, internationally adopted kids who, who had, uh, you know, who were, you know, posing pretty serious challenges to their families and figuring out what those kids needed. And so how was it, that a university was interested in putting a camp together for respite. I mean, uh, they knew it was going to be going on to something else. Well, we didn't know it was going to be going on to something else. Right. Um, it was, that's, I've never ever thought about it that way, Karen. Um, I think it was, I mean, I think the key thing was it was done under the rubric of of my you know my my research lab and and we had a long history of doing research with families so i think people just thought well this is just you know now they're doing you know now they're doing research with families who've adopted internationally so it was kind of a natural progression ah okay i see i see and so was there a moment or a couple of moments that stand out in your mind where you remember just thinking, wow, we are like really onto something, like something as big is really happening here? Yeah, I think in that first summer, um, the moments were uh, anecdotal. They were um, individuals like for, you know one of the stories one of the you know uh, really powerful stories was uh, a, a mom who when she dropped her her child off in the morning 
she was in tears and she said the night before um, for the first time her little boy wanted her to read it read read him a story at bedtime uh-huh. and, and he actually crawled up into her lap and ended up giving her a hug and um, and he was um, you know he, that nothing like that had ever happened and he had been with the family for a couple of years and so those kinds of another little boy who hadn't spoken in over a year and uh, all of a sudden started speaking. So there were, particularly with the younger ones, there were some pretty dramatic moments um, where um, the parents were just blown away by the changes in their children, positive changes in their children. And, you know, people started asking, Karen, Karen joked about it, joke about it. She used to say that the, 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 the parents uh, would kind of hang around in the distance and try to, they almost like spies and try to figure out what it was she was doing with uh-huh. the kids. Um, so that was, I think, the initial part of it. The, then um, because we, one of the things that was more obvious was the kids, um, they, they became more verbal we talked to our colleagues in the speech and hearing clinic and um and they you know, quite frankly didn't believe us and they said okay well next year we'll collect data and so we collected data using a, a measure of both expressive and receptive language and um the in on average the kids made uh about a, a one-year uh, increase in language, particularly with expressive language, uh, in that you know three-week summer camp, and, and you know if for a couple of kids it was even more dramatic than that. It was so. Um, so those are some of the early aha moments mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we knew we were onto something. Yes, you know I um, often think of because you started out in a university lab. I often imagine you guys with like all of this data everywhere. You know, I know you started collecting AAIs and um, then you had, we're looking at neurotransmitters and cortisol and all of these, you know, now that you just said speech and language. And I, I so I just imagine like this mass of stuff everywhere. <laughs> and then you being the one, and Karen, but you like, let's funnel this down into what is really happening. Um, you know, so many models, they don't have enough data. I always imagine TBRI is having almost more than you knew what to do with. Now, is that true or is that just something I've imagined? Um, it's, uh, it's sort of true. I mean, we did collect data. The, 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 um, so I think one of my favorite um, uh, one of my favorite papers to come out of that work was a, a paper where we had cortisol, um, we had um, family drawings and self drawings, and we had um, the child behavior checklist, um, and maybe a language measure. I can't remember for sure, but we had we had behavior. And we had physiology, uh, and we had you know biological markers, and we had um, 
you know, so, like self, you know, self-esteem or self-perception through the draw, self-drawings and family drawings. And so we were able to show significant changes in all three of those. Um, and that was, you know, that was really cool. Um, you know, an unfortunate thing about that and sort of the limitation of our data is it's really hard to find a control group because, for example, you know, what we would have had to do was tell a group of parents, well, we want to collect data on your kids, but you can't come to camp. And we just never felt like we could do that. So uh, for a long time, we didn't have the kind of comparison groups or control groups that um, you know, are the considered the, you know, standard for evidence-based practice. So even though we had some beautiful data and some really dramatic outcomes, our data were, were limited because of that. Uh, more recently, we've done a, a study. It wasn't a camp study, but it was a parent training study where we were able to include a delayed treatment control group. So they got trained also. They just got trained after the other groups did. And that's the one that was that we were able to, um, uh, you know, move up the you know, up the the slider on evidence-based practice. Mm -hmm. But we don't have as much data as you would think because it, the kids always came first, and the families. And you know, many years we didn't have the resources to collect the kind of data, even though we are a university lab. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. all of you know, almost all of our resources into the intervention and really just had uh, uh, just a, a little bit to do with the research most of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Um, so. I will say this, now the Institute, we're in a different situation now and we have uh, two and a half research scientists on our staff and we will be hiring another one uh, fairly soon. So that situation has changed. We're collecting more data now, and mm -hmm. it, um, which I think is going to be a good thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, it didn't, the model didn't, well, it wasn't necessarily a model, and it didn't even really have a name. I remember, I, I remember just like, oh, the, the Karen Purvis stuff, or, you know, stuff, Stuff Karen and David are doing down at TCU. <laughs> right. So, so like, how, how did you get a name and kind of move along to put these pieces together? Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, TBRI really is what Karen did with those kids. And um, I, um, I joke sometimes and when, well, lots of times actually when I'm talking or giving presentations that my role was to be something like an anthropologist on Venus. And so I spent literally hundreds of hours watching Karen work. And, and she, and you know, there were lots of times where I would say, do you, want, do you know what you did? And she knew what she did, but she, what, she hadn't put it into words. And so really Karen embodied TBRI She's the one that did TBRI, and she's the one that uh, invented it. Um, so it's very much in her and of her. Um, but I was the one in conjunction with her that put it into words. And um, although Karen is the one, 
that came because there was a point where we said, well, we've got to come up with a name for this. And um, I came up with a couple of really bad names. Um, and Karen came up with trust-based relational intervention TBRI, so, mm -hmm. and, um, which I think has been a terrific name. Yes, yes. We just have to remember that there's not an S on the end of intervention. Um, sometimes I, I've written it wrong and I'm like, no, that's not the right way. So um, not, not plural, because it's the whole model, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah, with that. Um, and so you were in some ways almost like a, a scientist, like watching her and trying to, you know, quantify somehow what she was doing in a way that could be taught to other people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, and, um, you know, and one of the things I would do over the years is I would look and see, um, you know, like for example, one of the TBRI strategies is choices. Well, choices, there's a long history of choices. And so that, you know, in, you know, behavioral interventions and, and so, um, you know, I'd poke around in the literature and, and find out what else is we know about choices. So was trying to flesh it out in terms of um, different strategies and, and what we know about them. Right. And maybe what is the unique way she's using this with this group of kids? Um, yeah. Yeah. The one of the things I think that's a really interesting um, kind of question, Karen, because, um, you know, you, 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 there's a temptation to say, what, what, what's the core element? What's the key piece? And um, I, think, I think the key piece, well, we say that there are three, there are three sets of principles. Um, there's connecting, which is basically about attachment. Mm -hmm. And then there's correcting, which is a behavioral, and it's you know very a lot of a lot of that is, uh, you know, it shares it shares a lot of overlap with behavioral approaches, and then then there's the empowering principles. But the, we always say the foundation is the connecting part. It's the mm -hmm. you know it's the relational part, and mm -hmm. that's what makes the other other things tick. Um, but even among the um, the connecting principles, we say uh, that the core the core capacity is mindful awareness. So being mindfully present with your child, being authentic, um, being attuned, um, mm -hmm. and, you know. And Karen was exquisite at that uh, at, at being that way with kids. Yes. Yes. Um, well, so I'm glad. I have a story about that. Do you want to hear the story? I would love to hear the story. So we did. Um, so one of the things that we've had the good fortune to do is we got funded to create a video series. And you, I mean, our healing family video series. And, um, and when at, at the point where we started doing more and more training with other organizations, one of the organ some of those organizations were had teams. And so we would show our healing family videos to the staff of these organizations. 
And those videos were based on our camps and our camps were, um, were elementary school age kids and preteens, really not teens. And the response we'd get lots of times, you know, particularly among the more resistant staff was, well, this will work with little kids, but this isn't going to work with teens. And so if you know Karen, you know that she's not going to take a challenge like that sitting down. And so what we did was we said, okay, let's do a camp with some of your teens. And so they, we did a, a one-week summer camp with uh, a group of kids who this particular organization uh, uh, felt were at higher risk. And most of the kids in their, uh, this residential program, during the summer, they, they went off to one or another summer camp, just like you know, ordinary kids you know, do, um, or kids in ordinary circumstances do. Um, but this group, they felt it was, it, was, it was too risky to send them off to just your regular summer day camp. And so, and they were so worried about us working with them, we actually had to sign releases, you know, in case, uh, case you know, something happened. So we thought it was going to be perfect because what we wanted was on video, either our staff or their staff being coached by our staff, interacting with kids you know, in really hard situations, you know, where they were, they were being aggressive and defiant and so on. Well, we, uh, we got to camp and we never had an incident. It was the, you know, and what I, and to me, I think that's so powerful and that their staff were completely blown away. And what I think it is, is I think teens in particular, and particularly kid, teens from hard places, they know what, what your agenda is, and they'll know what your agenda is as an adult in the first few seconds that they are with you. And I think they knew that our agenda was authentic and that we were there for them. And, um, uh, and it, it was a complete, it was, it was uh, that, that camp, uh, it, it was a disappointment in that we didn't get any bad behavior. Or, but it was uh, a huge victory in terms of, um, you know, making an impact on the lives of those kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That make, was that clear? That yeah, it's that very clear because I feel, I believe that we had a similar experience um, when Karen came to work with an adolescent that was in our residential treatment program. Um, so it was kind of a unique thing. The child was older, the child was in a residential treatment facility and we were having upwards to 10 to 12, uh, incidents of aggression a day, kicking out windows, breaking things. And the entire time Karen was there doing the way she's done the intensive model. We haven't really talked about that, but the intensive home programs, except it was in residential, there was not a single incident with this girl. So, um, you know, I, I saw, saw it in action and, you know, we, I think many of us have sometimes called Karen the child whisperer, but, you know, there was just something about how she was managing the whole situation. She had our staff at her, our disposals. Uh, she had our therapist, she had the pool, which we used a lot. Um, different things like that, but we had the very exact 
same experience just with a single situation. So, I mean, I, I saw it firsthand and, and it wasn't a young child um, either. It was a child that was aggressive enough to actually be in a facility like ours. So, yeah. So if you were going to give a quick summary of TBRI, what would you say it is? Um, well, a really quick summary is um, it's about seeing the needs of the kids and finding a way to meet their needs. Mm. And that's really what TBRI grew out of was a really talented woman being able to see the needs and then finding, sometimes with help, um, find a way to meet their needs. Um, so that's a really quick answer. Yes. I would, yes. So I could go on. I mean, I, I give you a not, a not so quick answer. With, well, um, you know, maybe I'll just ask about um, something that, you know, stood out to me and I, I was kind of on my own journey with TheraPlay and other models, I was learning to, to work with kids um, with a background of trauma and attachment separations and such. But one of the things among the many that stood out was Karen's attention to the environment and sensory needs. That, at the time, I wasn't hearing anybody else talking about in that way. I had heard of sensory processing disorder, but in terms of like, in the day-to-day, minute-to-minute care of a child, the importance of this. Um, and so when Karen first came to Chaddock to do training, I asked for an emphasis on that piece. Um, and so what, how did that come about? Like that, that's not something that others were talking about as much at that time? I think it came about because of um, the fact that she wasn't seeing the kids in a therapist's office. She okay. was seeing them initially at, at camp. And, you know, and she had them all day long. Mm. And so, and she, and, and she was ultimately responsible for everything from, you know, going potty to uh, having snacks to having lunch to making sure they had, you know, enough physical activity to, you know, the whole, you know, just like, you know, I mean, you know, the way what we think of with the summer camp. And so TBRI mm -hmm. grew out of the need to fit, I mean, out of the, yeah, the need or, um, the, you know, the, the need to, uh, uh, you know, to not just attend to a child's needs throughout the whole day, but to use the whole day and everything from, you know, what we, you know, having a life skills group to how are we going to transition from this group to this group and how are we going to build in, you know, snacks and so on. So, um, it very, it was very ecological. Um, and, um, and I think that's one of the most, you know, powerful things about it. So now, you know, where we're at at the Institute is uh, a big, push of what we're doing is how to we're helping people we work kind of side by side with our partners and with the goal of tailoring tbri to the courtroom to the classroom to the resident to a residential setting to a home um 
to uh, and therapist to a therapist's office to the you know different ecologies and um, and I think that's one of the things that really gives it a lot of power is that it is I think that's a great observation on your on your part, Karen. That it's very it's rooted in the day to day, the hour to hour, the moment to moment, you know, challenges of of help, you know, caring for and serving, you know, kids from hard places. Yes, and and it is um, such an important thing, and I think that I agree. You know, one of the reasons that TBRI is so powerful is it's very if you if if you look at like the typical therapist model you know see a child 50 minutes and then you see him the next week what i have found is is one of the biggest breakdowns of that is it's hard for parents when they get home and they're dealing with problem behaviors at nighttime or a meltdown or hitting a sibling it's hard for a parent to be like okay so what does what I did today in therapy, how does that apply to this? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a very hard thing for pe- for anyone to figure out, you know, and, um, and that's a big part of what I feel as you're explaining TBRI did. It said, oh, well, here's how you apply this to the day-to-day minute-to-minute care of a child. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, in many ways, it, it then becomes an ideal model for treatment settings and classrooms and, and anybody, you know, being caregivers. So, yes. So, well, I really appreciate uh, you giving me your time here today um, and uh, appreciate the discussion. I would like people to know, you know, where do they turn to learn more about TBRI? You guys have books, you guys have videos, you guys have, con- you know, then there's a whole other part with the Empower to Connect. And mm-hmm. where, where should people start? The, the starting place would be uh, our website, which okay. is child.tcu.edu. Okay. And, All right. And, uh, and they can find almost everything that we do or have uh, on the website. And you guys are offering trainings now for folks on on a fairly regular basis. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. And is part of that online too? Don't they? Don't you do something before you come to the training? We do have. Um, um, so the our the healing family series is been it's available now as digital downloads. Okay, great. We have what we call TBRI 101 or the TBRI whiteboards, which is something that Karen and I did together. Um, It's got her voice and my hand because I'm the one that did the writing. Um, And uh, and it's kind of a TBRI course. I think it's got 15 uh, lessons and that is due to come online in in the next few days. So. Okay, okay. And and they can find all that stuff through the website. Yes. Well, um, you created something very, very special with, with Dr. Purvis. And, um, I often think that you stepped aside and really let her shine, but your piece Mm -hmm. is also so very important in terms of your contribution. 
um, you know, it, it wouldn't be where it is without you. So well, thank um, you. And she was a remarkable woman and it was an honor. Uh, it wasn't always easy, but it was certainly an honor to, you know, walk side by side with her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore attachment theory. Please follow our site, traumaattachmentcenter.com, for future podcasts, blogs, and training opportunities.